Hey, it's Gabe. I want to recommend a podcast I think you'll enjoy called What Could Go Right. On What Could Go Right, the hosts, Progress Network founder Zachary Carabell and Executive Director Emma Varva-Lucas, sit down with expert guests to discuss the world's most pressing issues. They look back at how far society has come and look forward to what it will take to achieve a brighter future. If you're looking for a weekly dose of optimistic ideas from smart people, listen to What Could Go Right wherever you get your podcasts. What if AI could help your business deliver mission-critical outcomes with speed? With IBM Consulting, your business can design, build, and scale trusted AI using Watson X and modernize the way you work to accelerate real impact. Let's create AI that transforms your business. Learn more at ibm.com slash consulting. IBM. Let's create. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's the groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. This Father's Day, power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools from the Home Depot. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. Find the perfect Father's Day gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Shop for Father's Day now in stores or online at homedepot.com. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. This Day in History class is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello, and welcome to This Day in History class, a show that unmasks history one day at a time. I'm Gabe Luzier, and in this episode, we're talking about Psycho, the moody psychological thriller that's widely regarded as the first modern horror film, and one of the best, too. The day was September 8th, 1960. Alfred Hitchcock's classic suspense thriller, Psycho, opened in theaters across the United States. The director took a secretive approach to the film's release, insisting that no one be admitted to a screening after the movie had begun. This was done not only to pique the public's curiosity, but to help preserve the film's many twists and turns, which, fair warning, we will be getting into a little later. Hitchcock didn't want viewers to wander into a screening midway through and be confused about the very different direction the film takes in its final stretch. This unusual level of secrecy also prevented critics from screening the film in advance, a decision that probably played a role in the movie's decidedly mixed reviews. However, the box office success of Psycho eventually led to its critical re-evaluation, and today, it's now considered one of Hitchcock's finest works and a high point of the thriller genre as a whole. In case you've never seen Psycho, or if it's been a while since your last viewing, the story goes something like this. A young secretary named Marion Crane, played by Janet Leigh, 
decides on a whim to steal $40,000 from her employer, money that she was supposed to deposit in a bank. She flees the city with the cash and drives all night, eventually stopping to rent a room at the eerie, isolated Bates Motel. There, she encounters the motel manager, a shy, awkward young man named Norman Bates, played to unnerving effect by Anthony Perkins. He invites her to have dinner with him in the motel office that evening, and over the course of the meal, Norman explains that he feels trapped by his controlling, elderly mother, who lives in the manor house just behind the motel. Their conversation helps Marion realize that she too is trapped, and that the only way she can free herself is to return the money she stole. Before departing, she decides to take a shower, a way to symbolically cleanse herself of guilt. But as she bathes, Norman's jealous mother enters the room and fatally stabs her. A while later, a distraught Norman Bates cleans up the murder scene and disposes of the evidence by sinking Marion's body and her car in a nearby swamp. A week later, Marion's boyfriend Sam and her sister Lila come looking for her at Bates Motel. They grow suspicious that Norman and his mother may be hiding something in their house on the hill, and when the pair sneaks inside to check, they find the mummified corpse of Norman's mother, who has evidently been dead for some ten years. Suddenly, they're attacked by the same shadowy figure who killed Marion. The killer identifies themselves as Norma Bates, but it's soon revealed to be her son, Norman, dressed up in a wig and gown. Sam is able to subdue him, and it's soon revealed that a jealous Norman actually killed his mother and her lover a decade earlier. He then preserved her corpse and recreated her as an alternate personality. It's explained that Marion was actually the third woman Norman had killed while impersonating his possessive mother, and at the end of the film, it's suggested that the mother personality has now taken full control of his mind and that Norman is gone forever. This macabre tale was a drastic departure from Hitchcock's previous film, the 1959 commercial hit North by Northwest. That movie's critical and financial success gave the director the freedom to tackle any subject he wanted for his next project. But no one in Hollywood imagined he would choose to make a horror movie. The genre commanded very little respect at the time, and was mostly known for campy storylines and cheap special effects. That lack of prestige is exactly what attracted Hitchcock to the genre. He was curious to see what could happen when a horror movie was made by a filmmaker who, quote, knew what he was doing. With that in mind, Hitchcock told his production company to go out and find a suitable story for him to adapt to the screen. Within a month, they returned with a copy of Psycho, a well-received horror novel by author Robert Block. The book was loosely based on the real-life crimes of Wisconsin serial killer Ed Gein, and the story turned out to be just what Hitchcock was looking for. He particularly liked the idea of the main character, Miss Crane, being killed off so early in the story. In fact, that was one of the twists that Hitchcock was so adamant about protecting. He knew it would shock audiences to see the lead character die unexpectedly, but if someone entered the theater after the shower scene, they might have just been confused. Robert Block was paid $9,000 for the film rights to his novel, and not long after, Hitchcock pitched the story to his partners at Paramount Pictures. Studio executives weren't fans of the unusual choice of subject matter, 
In fact, they were so against the idea that Hitchcock wound up paying for most of the movie himself, and he even gave up his usual salary in exchange for 60% ownership of the finished film. That arrangement was virtually unheard of in Hollywood, but it wound up working in Hitchcock's favor. Psycho went on to become the most financially successful film of his entire career, pulling in $32 million during its original theatrical run off of a budget of less than $1 million. To help keep production costs low, Hitchcock shot the film in black and white and borrowed the crew from his anthology TV show, Alfred Hitchcock Presents. Even with all of those concessions, Paramount still tried to discourage the director by refusing to let him shoot the film at their studio. However, that plan backfired, again, when Hitchcock simply rented space over at Universal. There, he built the elaborate set of Bates Motel and the Gothic house that looms over it. Those now iconic structures are still standing today and are among the highlights guests can see on the Universal Studios tour in Hollywood. So, way to go, Paramount. Of course, no discussion of Psycho would be complete without talking about the infamous shower scene. It's one of the most studied sequences in film history, and for good reason, too. Most of the shots were storyboarded by renowned title and poster artist Saul Bass, who also created the opening credit sequence for Psycho. One of the most impressive things about the scene is what the viewer doesn't see. Thanks to a series of quick cuts, the violence of Marion's murder is mostly suggested rather than shown. In fact, we only see the knife touch her skin for about two seconds of the roughly five-minute scene. For the rest of the time, we're looking at the knife, the tile, the showerhead, the blood trickling down the drain. We see the implication of violence and its aftermath but very little of the act itself. Despite being rather tame for a murder scene, the sequence still feels intense and suspenseful. That's partly down to the brilliant editing, but a great deal of credit also goes to Bernard Herrmann's inspired score, in which violins, cellos, and violas screech along with every stab of Norman's blade. Take a listen. of the sound of the scene, Hitchcock held a bizarre kind of audition to find the right sound to represent a knife stabbing flesh. He reportedly had his prop master, Robert Bone, stab dozens of different kinds of melons, every variety of cantaloupe, watermelon, cassava, and honeydew that he could find. Meanwhile, the director sat in the sound studio with his eyes closed, listening intently as each melon was wounded. When the grisly audition was finished, and every melon had been thoroughly slashed, Hitchcock opened his eyes and uttered a single word. Cassaba. He supposedly settled on that one because the melon's thick rind provided a deeper, fuller sound. In addition to the cassaba, Hitchcock also layered in recordings of a sirloin steak being stabbed repeatedly. According to author Stephen Rebelo, the sound man took the steak home that night and had it for dinner. No word on what happened to the cassava. At any rate, the sound and the scene itself proved incredibly effective. 
Audiences were said to gasp and scream during the scene, and even actress Janet Leigh was disturbed after screening the finished film. She later claimed that she never took a shower again, opting to take baths for the rest of her life. Although the shower scene is arguably the film's most famous sequence, neither of the movie's stars are in it all that much. Anthony Perkins was away in New York, rehearsing for a Broadway show during the week when the film was seened. In the footage of his character stabbing Marion, the person in the wig is actually a stunt woman, whose face was blacked out to achieve a silhouette effect. As for Janet Lee, she appears in about a third of the scene's runtime, but the rest of the time it's actually Marley Renfro, a pinup model who served as Lee's body double in the scene. If you ask me though, the real star of the famous scene is the unassuming toilet that appears in a handful of shots. Believe it or not, that was the first toilet to ever appear in an American film, and the first to be flushed on screen as well. Before Psycho broke the taboo, toilets were considered too crude to be shown in movies. So for all you fans of big screen toilets, now you know who to thank. Psycho premiered in downtown Manhattan on June 16, 1960, and then rolled out to theaters nationwide on September 8th. It went on to earn four Academy Award nominations for Best Cinematography, Best Art Direction, Best Supporting Actress, and Best Director. It didn't win any of those awards, marking the fifth and final time that Hitchcock would be nominated for, and ultimately denied, the Oscar for Best Director. That's right, as hard as it is to believe, Alfred Hitchcock never won an Oscar for his directing. But despite being snubbed by the Academy, Psycho was a massive success at the box office, and due to his unprecedented deal with Paramount, the lion's share of that money went right into Hitchcock's pocket. More importantly though, the film proved that horror movies could be every bit as artful, thoughtful, and engaging as their non-genre counterparts. Psycho demonstrated that you don't need monster costumes or graphic violence to elicit fear from an audience. Sometimes, it's much scarier to skip the haunted house and take them on a tour of the human mind instead. Because after all, as Norman Bates says, We all go a little mad sometimes. Haven't you? I'm Gabe Luzier, and hopefully, you now know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. If you have a second and you're so inclined, consider following us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TDIHCshow. You can also rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, or you can drop me a line directly by writing to thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks to Chandler Mays for producing the show, and thanks to you for listening. I'll see you back here again tomorrow for another day in history class. A collision between a Chinese jet and an American spy plane. He came and rammed into our left wing. With relations increasingly strained, what are the chances of things spinning out of control? The Western world was asleep. I'm Gordon Carrera. I'll be exploring the friction in this most important of relationships and asking, has the West taken its eye off the ball? You cannot ignore China. From BBC Radio 4, this is Shadow War, China and the West. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.
Hello, iHeart listener. We have a confession to make. Both iHeart and this commercial you're listening to right now would probably sound a heck of a lot better on the new Roku Pro Series TV. It's got side-firing speakers that fill your room with sound, Dolby Atmos audio that puts you right in the middle of the entertainment, and the ability to pair seamlessly with your home theater sound systems that already have surround sound and booming bass. If all that sounds too good to be true, it'll sound even better on the new Roku Pro Series. Your hearing isn't better. Your TV is. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What's up, guys? This is Sean, Lights Out Merriman, and Saturday, June 15th, Lights Out Extreme Fighting 17 returns to Casino Palma in San Diego. Get your tickets now at lightsoutxf.com, and we'll be live on Lights Out Sports TV, available on all major platforms. Doors open at 5 p.m. Pacific. You don't want to miss this one. It's going to be Lights Out. Lights Out Sports is free sports TV by athletes for fans. For details about the event and tickets, go to lightsoutxf.com.